You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. All right, well, welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. And we're glad that you're back with us once again for Episode 8, The Ocho. Yeah, not a lot of Episode 8s that are out there. <laughs> there will be soon. There will be. Star Wars. There will be. But <laughs> there, Yoda. There yeah. will be. <laughs> Anyways. Normally when you think of episode eight, you don't think of uh, quality. But we're gonna change your opinion on that. So this week we're gonna talk about worship. And I mean we always really talk about worship. Because we're talking not? about church service. When are you not talking about worship? But specifically this week we're gonna talk Let's about Let's continue our worship. <laughs> Yeah, I use that one all the time. But we're going to talk about the non-preaching aspects of worship. There's a lot that goes into a Sunday morning, even for a small church. Right. And sometimes, depending on you, your personality as a pastor, or the setup of your church, you might be in charge of everything. Um, Maybe you're running the show on Sunday morning. Maybe you're even like leading music and then doing the scripture reading and then praying and then preaching. Uh, Maybe you have it spread around. But either way, um, I think as local church pastors, it's important that we have an understanding of the robustness of different worship expressions. And so we're going to talk to Adam Wolf, who's at your church, right? He is. Mm -hmm. Adam started with us part-time about a year ago. And has been doing a great job just bringing a lot of continuity and stability to our worship. Not that it didn't have those things ahead of time, but that's one of the things we'll talk about is uh, how having someone who's dedicated to those worship leading tasks really helps a congregation. Yeah, we were talking about this just the other day at the coffee shop. Um, I personally think it's really less important about the skill of the worship leader, though Adam is excellent uh, at his skills, but I think it's even just more important that there is uh, a continuity, but also like an overall philosophy of like why we're doing the things that we're doing in worship. And so maybe that's something, if you're at a a super small church and it's just you, maybe that's something that you think through. Um, Maybe you have a worship leader at your church. I think it's still important that throughout the staff that there's this understanding of why are we singing the songs that we're singing? Why are we doing scripture reading? Why are we doing communion when we do communion? But just a, an overall understanding of why we're practicing these things in the way that we do. Yeah, even down to the simplest question of why do we get together on a Sunday on a Sunday morning? Right. Why do we do this week in and week out? What What is it about this, what happens here uh, at this event, at this gathering of believers uh, that draws us and keeps us coming back together? Why do we think it's important? Someone yeah. who can answer those questions for a congregation um, on a weekly basis right? Uh, and kind of who knows what they're about when it comes to Sundays or whenever your church meets. Yeah, and I think what that does is it helps to move people away from the entertainment model of like, I'm here to be entertained once a week to instead I'm here to participate in various expressions of worship because that's part of my identity as a Christian. Um, and I think that that's really necessary uh, to, to do that. Now, you've led worship a little bit in the past. Yes. What was that transition like, moving from kind of associate pastor plus 
mm-hmm. worship leader to the preaching ministry? Uh, it was, for me, it ended up being really smooth because I had somebody um, almost immediately who kind of stepped in and took up th- what I was doing, uh, leading worship on a regular basis. Our worship leader, Jen, um, is, is fantastic in what the exact same thing that we're talking about. She understands the importance of a philosophy of, of worship. Um, so for me, it's, it was different in that, I mean, I like music. I'm a music guy. I listen to music all the time. I play music. I used to write music a lot. Um, and so it's, it was different from me being able to kind of con- have creative control over the worship service in that way um, to kind of stepping back um, and saying to Jen, okay, I want you to do this in your style. I want you to do this in the way that you're comfortable but here are some principles that we want to communicate. Here are some things that we want to do. We want to make sure our songs are theologically robust, um, but we also want to make sure that our songs are connecting with the people, not necessarily in a stylistic way, but connecting with them uh, in a way that draws their attention to what we're doing on a Sunday morning. And so it, it was a it it still is kind of a different thing when I'm not participating in playing the music, but I'm just singing it. Uh, and that's a, something that I've had to learn how to do, how to engage without, you know, using my hands and, and doing that sort of thing. Um, but it's been a good, a good transition. And, and I'm glad that I'm not doing it every Sunday <laughs> anymore. What about you? You kind of dabbled in leading worship on occasion, kind of the fill-in guy, right? I did dabble. And, and our church has had a, an experience of uh, the past 10 or 12 years where we've em- employed various people in different part-time capacities um, for for more than a decade. And, and it's, that's resulted in um, sometimes some unevenness, mm-hmm. I'd say. But we also have a lot. I mean, our church has always been blessed with a lot of really talented people. Yeah. And so it's hard sometimes uh, to complain, to feel like we have room to complain because we do have so many talented musicians. And you can almost always put a team of four or five people together uh, who are musically competent enough to make sure that Sunday happens without a lot of stress. And yet uh, the, the pastoral piece is more difficult. Right. Because this worship leading idea, and I'd love to ask Adam about this in a few minutes, uh, the the leading of the worship is a pastoral task. Yeah. And that's why I think uh, in sometimes an, an older model or an old school model, you would have the pastor be the mm-hmm. one who does the welcome, does the right. opening prayer, does leads the doxology, leads the benediction. The pastor is a worship leader. Right. And it's not out of like a sense of control as much as a sense of, like you said, a, the pastoral element to these things. That, that shepherding and yeah. that leadership. So when, as you were talking about a moment ago, I was thinking of um, a, a divide and conquer approach or recognizing that we're a body and we have different gifts and different mm-hmm. abilities that God can use. And there's a diversity of gifts in the, in the body and that we need each other. So when someone is gifted and desires to do this ministry, I, as the pastor, am able to recognize that and then step away yeah. and allow them to do that ministry or empower them right. to do that ministry. And so, yeah, kind of combining what you said, the empowerment is the thing that separates it from being a music performance to a congregational led 
worship act, right? The teaching them how to understand the act of shepherding people, uh, making them aware of the presence of God, right? Because I think we've all, I'm sure everybody out there in podcast land has been at a worship service or a concert or whatever, and the overarching feeling is this is a, a music performance. And I think there's a, there's a time and there's a place for that, and we love you know performing music. It's fun to listen to and watch. But there's definitely a, a strict difference between a concert and a, a community congregational worship And the difference is that pastoral leading of the people. What are the people's needs? What do they need to hear? How do they need to be brought from this place of chaos in their week or focusing on what they're going to be doing later to a point where we are all aware of God's presence in and among us and we are giving Him worship um, as much as being open to Him moving in our lives through, through this. And of course, we're not just talking about music either, right? There's... There's so many aspects of worship, you know, different expressions, different tangible uh, expressions of worship that churches participate in. Yeah, absolutely. We're not just talking about music. We're talking about the reading of scripture, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. We're talking about the incorporation of prayer, uh, the incorporation of testimonies of people. Yeah. You know, in recent months, our church has sent out just a bunch of teams to mm-hmm. all over the country, all over the world. So there's this sending out of people that happens. There's the welcoming them back that happens. Um, There's the report of the ministry that they've done. Uh, And then hearing from from different ministries. That's a regular thing that we do as well is is updates from missionaries or updates from organizations that we partner with so that our people feel like it's not just our local community. We're a part of something larger. Yeah. Larger locally and globally, mm-hmm. uh, we we kind of worked through a book together in one of the classes um, that that you were teaching, uh, Jamie Smith's Desiring the Kingdom, uh, which was a really impactful book for me as I kind of wrestled through some of the things that he was he was um, writing about. And kind of the crux of his book is that the things that we do, our worship practices specifically, um, he uses the word liturgy a lot. Um, So like when you come to a a worship service and the different aspects of what happens there, what he wants to say is that those practices are actually informing your beliefs. Uh, They are the things that really shape what you believe about God, what you believe about Christianity, what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about yourself. Where I think a lot of times our perspective is the other way around that our thoughts about God, our belief, our theology is what informs our practices. And I think that maybe there is probably a middle ground in there somewhere. But I think what he really uh, touched on is the importance of practice for teaching people what we believe. So one of the things that I've been trying to do over the last few weeks at my church, when we pray uh, we do our, our pastoral prayer in the middle of the service, um, which I'm sure a lot of churches do. And so often, really, that kind of becomes a, uh, it's like the prelude to the offering, right? <laughs> it's like, we got to pray so that we can take the offering because we need the offering. And we can't just get up and say, all right, we need offering, right? We got to pray over it. And so you invite the ushers to come. Yeah, forward. exactly. Or the best is you pray so that the band can sneak on stage, right? It's a transition piece. <laughs> Oh, we'll have to ask Adam about that. Yeah. And so prayer 
as central as it should be in our understanding of who God is and how we interact with God can sometimes become kind of a, an auxiliary portion of our worship. And so what I've started to do uh, is when I begin to pray, when I get up to do the pastoral prayer, I talk about how in prayer we are stating what we believe about God. We're stating that we believe that God uh, is transcendent, that he's able to uh, interact on ways that are outside of human possibility or human nature, right? If somebody's sick and we pray for God for healing, we're praying to a transcendent God saying, you are able to do this. Yet when we pray, we're also affirming that God is imminent, that we're just standing in a room talking and the God of the universe hears us. And in order for that to happen, God has to be present among us. And so in prayer, I try to communicate that we are stating our beliefs So this practice, these actions actually inform belief. And so that's just a way that I've been trying to kind of incorporate some of that into our worship service, trying to bring practice and theology together into one. Um, And I think you can do that across the board with the different worship practices. Yeah, I think that's great. You can take a step back from that and look at even the gathering on Sunday morning as something even larger. The fact that we go to all the effort to get there mm-hmm. on a given day of the week, it's not just any day, and this is not to take away from any uh, Christian expression of worship if you gather on a Saturday night or a Wednesday night, but right. there's something about Sunday morning that's built into the week as the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. It's the first day of the week. It's celebrating the resurrection. It's the reminder that creation is beginning anew yeah. with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we we put forth all this effort to get to this gathering on Sunday morning. And, and you'll know this when you have a, a baby. In eight weeks. In a couple of months. <laughs> there's a, an additional effort. Sometimes it feels like a Herculean effort to get everybody <laughs> to church on time. Cue the get me to the church on time song. <laughs> so you're getting everyone to the place at the time to be together with everyone acknowledging that these things are true. Yeah. You're stating your beliefs just by showing up. Yeah. I think that's been so key over the last few months as I've been reflecting on philosophy of worship is how much we are saying without even saying anything. What we're doing just by the way that we sit in our church. Like, what does your building say about your belief in God? So when we were in Spokane for the Family Bible Conference a few months ago, one of the really interesting form factors of their church is they have a cross, not on the back wall, but the cross is actually like hung at an angle so that it goes above the the middle of the platform. And so if you're preaching in the middle and you looked up, there would be a cross like hanging out over you. So if there's an earthquake. There's an earthquake, pastor's dead by cross, but I suppose there's worse ways to go. <laughs> but just that little thing, and, and, and I really, it kind of struck me as I was there, because I've just been in the middle of thinking through all of this stuff, that forces you, your eyes, to look up, and it forces you to reflect on this idea of the cross being uh, the overarching <laughs> purpose or reason or presence amongst the people of God and specifically amongst the pastor as he preaches. Um, 
And so there's just these, these things that our building says about our theology, the places that we meet, the practices that we do as a church, the way that we sing, whether or not we take communion, how often we take communion. Um, these things say something about what we believe. Well, I'm excited to talk with Adam about it. So we'll be right back with Adam Wolf. All right, well, welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. We are here with Adam Wolf. Yeah, Adam, you're uh, on staff here at Grace Bible College, mm-hmm. and you direct our chapel ministry. You work with students and all of the ensembles and music teams that yeah. are all across the campus, and you also serve part-time at, at our church. We serve together in the ministry yeah. at Grace Bible Fellowship, so yeah. it's really good to have you here today. Really glad to be here. So we're talking about worship um, today, which is what you do. Yeah, it is. So what do you, I mean, I don't even know. I know you're at GBF, mm-hmm. but what are you doing? Like, what is your your job? Um, so <laughs> specifically at church, at Grace Bible Fellowship, um, I'm the worship director. That's the title. Um, it's a part, part-time, so it's a good good example of ministry. And so yeah. I do that at... Part, part-time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quarter-time they might yeah. say. But, but it, that's how it feels. Right. Um, and so... Um, really just kind of keeping things running is kind of my job, keeping things planned and running and smooth and giving some um, leadership and some direction and some support to that whole area of ministry. Are you leading um, every week too? The The job requires 50%, but to me that's too little. So yeah. I, I, it's just hard for me to do any less than. Yeah. So I usually do, I usually shoot for around every, I usually have a Sunday off every four to five weeks-ish. Okay. So. And that usually works out good with my full-time job right. as well as um, just getting a break and having other people um, lead, which is also what we want. We want to empower others to lead at the church as well, and they want that. We were talking a little bit earlier about like the pastoral aspect mm-hmm. of worship leading. And, yeah. like That's the thing that separates a worship performance or a music performance from worship is like this, this shepherding mm-hmm. aspect. Is that something that you would agree with? Like, Absolutely. Is that, that's almost something that I'm more passionate about than anything is this idea that there's, I think there's a higher calling for music ministry out there than, than what oftentimes our culture sure. shoots for. And we have a huge need for that, I think, in the church ministry of people who who would pursue music ministry from a pastoral or shepherding perspective, Yeah. where music is the tool, the avenue with which they communicate. Uh, the, the question I like to have people ask when it comes to making decisions for anything when it comes to worship ministry is, how is this serving people? Hmm. So, and you can ask that question uh, for many different situations. Right. So, uh, every, any, everything from what I'm wearing to how I do a song to, yeah. if you ask the question, how am I serving people? I think that helps diffuse a lot of our a lot of our hidden agendas and our misconceptions and distractions. Yeah. Is, is, is this song serving people? Or maybe it isn't, maybe it is. Or should we even do it all together? How should we do it? And that still leaves room for creativity and freedom yeah. and people's personalities to be there. But it just kind of undercuts that motivation of showing off or pride yeah. or is this, you know, why are we doing this? And so I usually run into that and ask that question for people when it comes to musicians and solos and all that kind of stuff. Well, so. that's really interesting because, like, I think a lot of times when when people talk about worship, they, they maybe would say, well, the question should be, how is this serving God? But I think what you get to is actually, 
at the root of it because that's how you're serving God is you're, you're bringing people into that place. And so you have to serve people in the same way that Christ served people in order for God to be glorified. Absolutely. And there is this like deeply Jesus-y aspect to that question. I mean, yeah. that's the first thing that I thought of is, is you know, Jesus, <laughs> you know, that, that was yes. his primary motivation. Well, because anybody can say, oh, I'm serving God. And right. that could be so... Right. That could serving be God with this guitar ways. solo. Yeah. And how do you argue that? Yeah. It's like, well, I guess you're worshiping God, but you're extremely distracting to a congregation of 60 plus yeah. people. Yeah. But hey, I'm doing this in youth group and they love it and yeah. they're connecting with God through that. That might be a whole, whole sure. different situation where it's okay to do that. Sure. There. So you just have to, if you kind of preface those those that with that question i think it helps clarify a lot of those you know those misconceptions yeah no i that, love that i'm gonna steal that for go for it all things yeah i've noticed over the last couple of years i've been developing almost like my philosophy for worship yeah and there's not a lot out there I, i'm finding where it's like here's a book on all things worship ministry that isn't to me the meat of it and, and maybe that's i hope that's not arrogant sounding no. but just like man where's the meat of the ministry it's just more just about songs and artistry and a lot of times well what is your philosophy and well, worship well and for some of that when i bring it together with with even like preaching and stuff i just really want to encourage worship leaders um to be prepared to do all kinds of ministry not hmm. just music but you know part of being a good worship leader might be you could you might have to fill in and preach someday yeah and, i mean i had no formal training i just have a lot of people who can like like yourself, Matt, who helped me kind of like work through it, and 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 so part of that might be just good at public speaking, yeah, and a good biblical knowledge, and you can pull off a sermon once a year, <laughs> you know, yeah. But you might have that come up, and sorry, I only do music, you know, that might not cut it in the situation. It sounds like what you're describing and what you're aiming at in your own ministry is this very like well-rounded, multifaceted capacity mm-hmm. to serve people in many different ways and music is just one of them. Yeah, it's almost like I, I want them to see their the depth of that ministry and the weight of that ministry just the same way as somebody might be in yeah. pastoral ministry or preaching is you're essentially doing the same thing but music is the avenue that you're communicating it through. So. I wonder if like the fact that there are other places outside of the church service in which music performance happens mm-hmm. but there are not other places really outside of a church service where a 30 minute sermon takes place or a public communal reading of scripture. And so those things, it's kind of easier to keep them worshipy, you know, or whatever. But with music, because there's this cultural connection of entertainment, mm-hmm. it makes it even more difficult. Well, yeah. And, and even just the fact that in, in a lot of other ministries, you're not just going to throw your class C guy up there to speak. Sure. But we do that all the time with music. Sure. We find somebody who's really not that good at it a lot of times in, in, in ministry, and we toss them up there and say, go ahead and do it. And I realize, too, that in ministry, you don't always have that opportunity. Yeah. But still, if we can, if we can encourage worship leaders who are gifted and to do more than that, that's really an important thing. Yeah. Yeah, our, our podcast is really geared toward uh, pastors of small churches. Mm-hmm. And by small, we mean... 300-ish mm-hmm. or less. Or 60. Or 40. <laughs> yeah. Um, or 25. There are maybe a lot of pastors out there who feel under-resourced. Mm-hmm. They are not musicians mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. They may not have talented people in their congregations. Yeah. So how does that, I guess I want to say, what would you say 
mm-hmm. to a pastor who's listening who maybe feels they don't have the resources either yeah. in terms of people and giftedness yeah. to have this worship ministry. Yeah, which is always a tough place to be because it's hard to come up with that out of thin air. You know, yeah. some churches, hey, we're just going to play this CD and sing to that. And that's that happens, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an aspect of this church ministry and you do the best you can to fill those positions and trusting the Lord to help with that. And there are resources out there, you know, where you can... You can look for help, uh, but as a pastor, it's still difficult if you're the one picking out the songs on Sunday and you're doing the preaching and might not be your area, you know. The best thing yeah. to do is I, I would still keep looking for someone and hope that, that that steps in. But And most of the time, that's a volunteer, you know, and that's great. There, there again is where the pastoral element comes in, in that the ideal, as, you've, as you stated, would be able to get, you know, have people who are uniquely gifted, mm-hmm. you know, excellent. Right. But at the same time, as we do as pastors, we have, you know, goals of excellence or whatever, but we also work with people where they're at. And so mm-hmm. as a worship leader, you're able to shepherd that and yeah. part of part of your role as as a pastoral worship leader is, yeah. is to kind of help people in that way. Adam, how have you brought in different elements of worship beyond just the music how do you see the flow of a Sunday morning mm-hmm. with all of the different moving parts of a given Sunday service mm-hmm. as worship in the yeah. big picture? Yeah, every church is a little different because everybody has their own style, their own culture of people. And I think just in my time at GBC, just learning that there are more, I usually start, I usually break it down to two things. One would be, um, we all have ways of worshiping the Lord individually. That could be almost anything. You know, whatever you do, do it for Guitar God's glory. Solo. Yeah, but that could even be like your job or, you yeah. know, like we, but then there's also, there's there's this thing, corporate worship, yeah. you know, that we do at church together. Yeah. And there usually tends to be seven elements that are the most commonly used. Um, you know, this is right straight from theology class, you know. So get, your, like, get your pens and paper out there yeah. in podcast land. Yeah, so, there will be a quiz. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the message, you know, learning from God's word. Thanks for putting that at the top. Ah, there you go. <laughs> um, then we have uh, communion, for example, mm-hmm. uh, prayer, corporate prayer, um, scripture reading, time of fellowship, um, the songs, and then t- personal testimony. So mm. those seven things are things that we generally as churches do corporately that are all kind of ways of giving God glory. Um, So my definition for worship would be worship is our response to God because of who he is and what he's done in our lives. And so all those things are an aspect of either learning more about him to his attributes or learning more about what he's done for us and then responding in some way. So Sunday morning kind of reflects that in in some shape or form. And so beyond the songs, I try to teach us to the students yeah. is is that scripture reading, you know, including that publicly so we learn more about God. And that's just something scripture tells us to do, you know, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, um, to prayer. Some of those things that are really important. Um, so kind of weaving that together um, in such a way that there's a flow to it in a service. Um, and it's packed full of all of those things, hopefully. So starting out with um, something that's really generic, usually, I kind of use like this... Um, hourglass kind of idea where it's everything everybody's coming in from who knows what this morning starting with something generic and then slowly funneling them down to whatever you want to to share that morning with the with the message so hopefully it all connects and with the pastor and the message so do you st- do you view the sermon as kind of the the central piece of the worship service 
I would say so in the sense that that's um, the teaching part that people are learning. Yeah. So not that you don't learn with the songs, but you, obviously you can communicate very freely in a message where in a song it's scripted sure. and it has a direction and a flow. But each song has a theme. So you're kind of just bringing it down to yeah. that point. And then usually you want to go out from there and have some sort of response. So give people a chance to respond in worship. Um, and that doesn't have to be a song. Um, and it doesn't always have to be that way, but that's kind of the template. What does that look like at your church? Like, what is the response asked? I, I usually ask Caleb um, or whoever's hmm. preaching that day, you know, what, how, would you, how would you want people to respond? Hmm. You know, how, how would, what, what would be an appropriate response for them in this moment if we're talking about this? Right. And it doesn't, it's not always easy. You know, we're talking about marriage. It's like, it's not, it does not necessarily a good worship marriage song, right. but maybe it's a surrender theme oftentimes. Some good Michael W. Smith worship yeah, marriage a couple. songs. We, you guys are probably, this is personal to you, but you know, we have the, the Go series that we're doing of Go and do this or that. Mm-hmm. And so we did a couple of weeks of the Hill song, Go, giving it all to go, you know. Okay. And that was just an easy way to end the service. Sure. Which saying we're going out and doing something. So some sort of way that people could respond and say, yeah, I want to do that. And they can do that in a worshipful way. So, At our church, it's almost uh, unheard of to not have a closing song. Yeah, yeah. people would know what to do. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll mix it up for fun once in a while. But. And when I'm at churches where there's not a closing song, I think, what? It's done? <laughs> We've had a few times where I, I think I said, Caleb, you could just end in prayer there and just have them stand. That's what my old church used to do, stand and pray. And then when that goes, play the song from the back, you know. That's what we do. Yep. I pretty much every, I end, I pray. Not that there's anything wrong with that, Jim. (laughs) I pray and I say, grace be with you. They say also with you. And then then we go. But I think sometimes because of that, we do miss that kind of response. Yeah, it's up to me to really craft that into the end of my sermon. Mm. Um, Whereas, so like the church I grew up in, they would finish the sermon They'd do a song, and then quite often he'd come up and do a benediction. Like a wrap-up, yeah. 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 Not a wrap-up, <laughs> but a wrap-up, yeah. Like a benediction, just yeah. kind of like yeah. closing words. We actually used to do the closing songs at GBF that way. I think this was before your time, yes. where we wouldn't have a closing song. You'd sit halfway through the sermon and think, oh, how's this going? And then you pick the song. <laughs> I've heard about at that. the end during the I, sermon. I've heard horror like, stories oh, about. Oh, I think we'll do this. And then they get up there and say, Kim, you know, D flat. And like, I can't play that key. <laughs> Where's my capo? Yeah, exactly. That's an interesting. Yep. That's what we call as the spirit leads. <laughs> exactly. But I think that's a really interesting um, part of your philosophy of of ministry or of worship is that there's always that, well, that's just that hourglass of then go, you know, go and do likewise or whatever. Um, I think that that's maybe helpful for, for some people out there listening and just kind of wondering how can I increase the <laughs> theological content of my worship service? And, and that yeah. might be a good, easy way yeah. to do that. And it's, it's a little tricky. I find this like, I feel like we're always picking the same few songs, but like any church, you kind of have your repertoire of what yeah. people know and it works and you uh-huh. want it to be responsive and you want people, you, you have to pick something that they know if you want them to respond in it. Yeah. If it's a new song, they can't. So it's always kind of a tricky place to find yourself. But Yeah, I kind of talk with my worship leader about that idea of like a congregation's canon of music. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is something very powerful about these are the songs that our church community sings. And so this is part of our worship. And it might be kind of weird for people who aren't a part of that community to come in and 
a lot of the songs maybe they're unfamiliar with. And I think sometimes people can criticize that and say, oh, no, you have to, every song has to be something that new a, a visitor could sing along with. But I suppose then it comes down to, like, what is the purpose of our worship gathering? Sure, you know, yeah. like, who, who are we equipping here? What is our, our intention in right. doing it? Yeah, I was, I was just talking with somebody on Sunday about that, just because it's one of those difficulties where it's not like... 30 years ago, you had a hymn book, and that yeah. was a pretty generic hymn book for a lot of churches. Yeah, right. Even They're, across a lot of denominations, right. and they all kind of knew certain numbers. And right. Where now it's, you have 100 plus mega churches all producing their own albums, yeah. and you can't keep up with it for a moment. So even when I came into this position, I was handed a sheet of Leslie's list of what we think everybody knows, uh-huh. which is good. I, yeah. I, I asked for that. Yeah. And so I got that, and I said, okay, this is where I'm going to start from. And say, this is what we know. These are the hymns that we know. These are the contemporary songs we know. And kind of feel it out and see. And that's just kind of your repertoire. So you almost, you create your own hymnal, <laughs> your own in psalter. A sense, yeah. yeah. And we will do occasional, like a special way have people just sit and listen, which mm-hmm. is kind of our, our way of getting a really nice specific song in there that sure. really works with the message that we don't have to teach. Sure. We'll do that once in a while. We'll go through times of that. Um, or we'll, we'll add new songs um, here and there. Yeah. There's a sense of community identity, right? Mm-hmm. That that goes along with these are the songs that we sing, and although there's going to be some change mm-hmm. year to year, yeah, you should be able to to kind of track that continuity mm-hmm. in the life cycle of a church to mm-hmm. say, well, these are the songs that we did sing eight, ten years ago, yeah. and every once in a while it's okay, but yeah. if you're still singing the same songs that you sang eight or ten years ago. Yes. Then you have to wonder. I've if there's definitely been... found myself leaving certain songs at the at the end of my planning center song list. You know, like slowly yeah. but surely letting them die out. Yeah. Just because you're like, I think we could find something that works, and probably something I haven't done that I should is look through and just see. Hey, do we have a good repertoire that covers a good amount of topics too? Because you could also kind of get heavy on one thing or the other. Right. I have a good song about the cross or this or that. Right. But you do your best, and it kind of comes in naturally. Yeah. One of the things I noticed as you guys were talking was just the way that both of you seem to put a strong emphasis on working together with your pastor or yeah. your worship leader. Yeah. So there's a lot of clear communication and there's there's a give and take. There's some direction that happens, but there's also some space yeah. that everyone gives everybody to say, these are your gifts and this is how you preach. And these are your gifts and this is how you're going to lead worship but that close collaboration seems really important in a healthy worship service. Yes. So that we're not working in isolation from each other. Right. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely true. And I think that that's what makes it, that's what's the difference between going to a worship service and there's the songs and then there's the sermon, you know, rather going to a worship service. And it is a, the whole thing is like a cohesive unit. Not that it has to be all smooth and slick and, you know, no hiccups or, you know, microphones falling down or whatever, but that there is a, a general theological philosophy behind everything that's work, being yeah. done. Yeah, exactly. And it I makes sense. Yeah. And it gels. And, I, and yeah. that only happens when there is that relationship between all the people who are involved. And in, in, in all reality, that happens a lot, but you're still going to have, like, like we had this last past week where uh, like Pat took over for Caleb, mm-hmm. and I didn't have much communication with him, so it was my fault. So I kind of planned the, quote, generic service, yeah. you know, with a new song and everything, yeah. and then we get to, you know, to Wednesday, and I'm like, man... I don't know if this. Let's try and we had to almost come with come up with some really specific transitioning statements to make it even connect. Well, even beyond like a thematic yeah. cohesiveness, 
I think there's an overarching, this is why we're here, right? This is why we've all come together to worship. It doesn't all have to be about, you know, this is the theme for the Sunday necessarily, but Mm -hmm. this is the theme for us as Christians is to, you know, to come here and to engage with these practices because like we were, Matt and I were talking about earlier, the practices say something about what we believe and they help to shape our belief. And it's almost like you have to teach why you're doing what you're doing, right. you know, intentionally. Usually it ends up happening after the service, you know, when people have things to say and then you, well, this is why we do this. Well, and that's great. And, and I think that that, as you continue to push maybe towards more of a pastoral role, I think that's something that you're going to find is yeah. that there's so much growth that happens in between the Sunday services when you have those mm-hmm. conversations with people, whether it's they're coming to complain to you or um, coming to compliment you and mm-hmm. you can kind of help maybe redirect some thoughts um, when you're just having lunch with somebody. Yeah. There is so much that is part of the role of the church. We do these things Monday through Saturday. We come together on Sunday but then we continue to do them Monday through Saturday, and it's just this mm. whole life cycle of, of the church community. Mm, absolutely. Adam, we usually have a, a bit at the end where we ask what you're reading or if you have any book recommendations that you'd like to give to our vast listening audience. <laughs> mm, okay. I've actually been reading uh, this past summer. I read a lot of Timothy Keller books. Yeah. And just really, really helpful for me. I think it was, I, I'm probably going to get it wrong because so it's probably really, I think it might be Encounters with Jesus or something like that. Just really talking about the theology of Christ. He does it from a very intellectual standpoint, but using words that I can understand. Yeah. So um, so that was really, really encouraging for me to read. Um, and I might also suggest some resources for pastors who sure. um, who are looking for worship-related things. Um, so a couple of resources that I would use. Um, musictheory.net, really helpful for your musicians if they're looking for just helpful training. Um, it's all free stuff. If they're looking for media presentation, check out Proclaim, okay. um, designed by Logos. So you guys probably oh, know sure. that. Yep. Um, just really good, affordable way for using media that integrates like your sermon and all that stuff together really well. And you can do it all on the cloud. So that way you can... <laughs> the cloud. Yeah, but it's nice. So the worship <laughs> yeah. guy can be at home or whoever right. might do that. And then you can upload your presentation. And um, and then I would also... A couple things. Planning Center Online is great for de- designing your services. And then if you're looking for something other than CCLI or Song Select to get good quality chord charts for maybe special events, mm-hmm. check out praisecharts.com. It'll be really helpful. Thank you. The other thing that we do is we like to ask, what is your greatest joy in ministry and mm. what is the thing that kind of is the biggest drain or the, the thing that's kind of a, a hard thing for you to work the through? The grind. The grind. Ooh. Biggest joy, um, probably what we just talked about, just church ministry. I love watching churches put effort into growing their worship ministry, mm. even right where they're at, you know, yeah. completely understanding right where they're at. And I just, I love seeing that happen and seeing, um, and especially seeing students start to get a vision for the need for worship ministry. Yeah. That's just huge for me. Um, man, grind. I think us, I think uh, my boss, Jason, and I, we get really cynical about what's the one thing you add to anything related to a service or or uh, anything, uh, any event, it's music. And I think we get, we get a little uh, cynical about <laughs> the... Uh, Hey, musician, come play a song for us because that's all you wait to do. And I think 
that's only the 10% they see and the 90% is everything else. Yeah, so that's a good <laughs> that's a good point. So appreciate your musician. That's yes. right. And your worship leader. Bake them a you know cake. it's more than just uh, we like to grab our guitar and right. go up there and sing. Jump There's up a and... lot of work to behind that. So. Yeah. Well, thanks, Adam. Yeah. It's been fantastic talking with you and I think hopefully helpful for some. I know it's been helpful for me just kind of being able to think big picture about worship and what that looks like. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Adam. No problem. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation. 